Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer, mostly in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward. Kick It Forward is a positive disruptor to the Iowa soccer community. Thanks to our sponsors, Scott Insurance Services and Michael Keener, Attorney at Law. You need legal help? You need insurance help? Those are the two to contact. That's right. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa Soccer supporters. Ben Bracken here with my good buddy and co-host, Blake Sievers. Sievers, welcome to Soccer Talk. What's up, man? Good afternoon, Ben. We're in a little different uh, different spot today, so it's uh, we'll see how we do. Yeah, shout out to our boy Chris Hoffman for setting us up with this uh, like portable audio setup here, right? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a good little plug. Clyde's Fine Diner down East Village. Uh, They're doing takeout right now. Um, some of the best burgers this side of the Mississippi. That's for sure. Uh, Wednesday through Saturday is what they're current, uh, currently operating in the evenings, doing, doing takeout only. But I hear there's a grand reopening opening or whatever you want to call it. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and if you got some extra money laying around, join the supporters club. Yeah, right on. There's our little plug. We, have, we took a little road trip just here in the last uh, couple of days. And, we drove all over town, didn't we? We didn't. So if you are have joined the supporters club and have not received your swag, slide into the DMs because they all should have gone out and been delivered. I mean, we were delivery men there for yeah, we were afternoon. Yeah, for sure. We were like the Amazon guys. Um, and uh, if if you're paying attention to our social media, which I'm sure you are, um, keep your eyes peeled for all of our supporters like rocking that swag, right? That's right. So should get into it today, Ben. So our last podcast was a record, yes. record number of downloads and listens within the first day, the first weekend, yeah. the first week. So we're trying to kind of ride that wave of momentum That's and right. continue the CBL, ISL, ISA conversation. Correct. Yeah. So we, uh, um, so we're gonna have, so we had Matt Carver on just recently to sort of as a representative of the Iowa Soccer League and the, um, we'll call them community clubs. And um, we put out the feelers with um, a couple different members of the CDL Club Development League. And at this point, they aren't uh, interested in coming on to chat with us. Um, we've got Kurt Lewis planning to come on and join us to speak a little bit about uh, Iowa Soccer League on their behalf, uh, but also as a, uh, an ODP coach and a um, high school coach who is uh, he's the head of Iowa High School Soccer Association. So just another perspective um, that we're going to kind of add to the conversation along with Dan Cataldi here in the next week. And then today we've got um, Matt Sag, also known as the Titan Tactician, um, but not today. He's just Matt Sag. No alias today. No alias. So he's coming on to discuss, um, or kind of help us discuss just uh, the, the information that we see. And then, you know, ultimately he comes, comes to the table a business proposal, doesn't he? He does. That's a great tease. I love it. Well, so let's just hop in and uh, to, to speak to the person who is normally known as the Titan Tactician, Matt Sahig. All right, Matt Sahig, welcome to the pod. Good it's to be nice, with, it's well, nice to see you again. Good to be with you guys. It's been a while. Yeah, you, you kind of got a different, uh, different hat on for this episode than the Titan Tactician, right? I was going to introduce him like that, but then I, I almost I didn't. I'm surprised you got the invite, but I'll try my best. 
Well, we, we brought you on today to, to talk about um, just some of the meat and potatoes of what the Club Development League um, is, because I know that it's something that's interesting to you. Um, and, you know, this week, there's the big announcement from Iowa Soccer Association um, announcing that they had denied the CDL's, you know, bid to make it a, a state cup league, if you will. Um, is that your understanding, Blake? Yeah, that would be I think, a good way to put it. The CDL applied to have their league be a, um, a qualifier for the Iowa State Cup Championship Series. So before we start getting into it with, uh, with Matt, do you want to just talk about the the letter? You know, some of the highlights of the letter. Did you? Uh, everything all printed out look ready to go yeah so back and forth so i think this is the latest letter not sure if it'll be the final one or if there's still some stuff going back and forth between the groups but uh but iowa soccer sent the letter out uh from the board um i guess peter katundu and dan cataldi both signed it on behalf of the board of directors and dan with the uh being the executive director of iowa soccer so you know they uh they wanted to kind of point out that they're committed to providing the best experience for every player and they listened to um, most of the clubs they got a lot of input from everybody and um you know they i think it just says you know that overwhelmingly the clubs believe having all kids under one umbrella will provide the best experience for players in iowa and you know the state emphasized empathizes that uh, with coaches and club staff who work full-time to provide great experiences to players and their families. And the state recognizes this model provides different challenges compared to clubs with fewer no paid staff. Ultimately, they will not approve the CDL as a state cup qualifying league. However, the conversation is not gonna end here or should not end here. I guess that quote should not end here. And so we, we do uh, have plans to have uh, Dan come on the pod hopefully in the next week or so he's, he's got a busy schedule of course so we're hoping to have him come on and talk a little bit more about just what ISA is doing overall and with the Iowa Soccer League so we will get that perspective yeah so like you said Ben we've been uh, we got the uh, non-CDL or the ISL represented uh, with Matt Carver last uh, last episode we're going to get the IS, Iowa Soccer Association's perspective, and um, hopefully the CBL will maybe change their thoughts and want to come on since we got uh, denied once. Yeah, correct. But so, so that's what we got Matt here today. Um, mostly due to your expertise as a, a former coach uh, here locally, um, you got your B license. You coached at um, three of the ultimately of the CDL clubs through the years was that okay is that a good set oh and he's, he's also wrapped at quite a high level <laughs> um if you're wondering about that um, anyway so yeah why don't you just uh you want to jump in there or? yeah sure well yeah like you said i mean i i um i started coaching here in in the des moines area when i was 22 and uh that was just for everybody's reference that was 2003 uh, 18 years ago okay yeah, thanks, Blake. Um, I guess I don't know if that was a dig or, or are you trying to give me some credibility? No, just trying know. to let everybody know, like, you've been in Des Moines now coaching. Yeah, for, for almost 20, yeah, I've been in Des Moines for over 20 years now, coaching for about 18. And so, of course, I started uh, the game's grown a lot in the last 20 years here. 
I think. And so um, I started off in Ankeny. Ankeny Soccer Club is now the Rush. Um, so I left there before that happened. But I've coached at uh, Ankeny. Um, I've coached uh, JOC um, and some of the sporting teams. Uh, and then uh, most recently, I had a very, very short stint at VSA um, this past spring, too, uh, preceding the, the CDL announcement. Um, so I've, you know, I, I, I've seen how those organizations operate and run. Um, and so I guess, you know, like to the extent that I can, I can maybe provide a little bit of perspective from that end. But it, you know, really is unfortunate. Um, you know, you, you know the saying, I mean, there's two sides to every story. Um, and so right now, I think we've, we've definitely got one side. We've got the conclusion that sort of the, the governing body came from. But what we don't have is, is the CDL's side, apart from the, the brief response that we got. Um, right. Um, but we can't, you can online find you know, the rules and regulations, and you can see sort of what they're um, but to apply to the league, what it requires. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's where we're getting a lot of our information. Yeah, exactly. Keep the league, and then I mean they've got, and I was I know I, I was copied on on communication. It it gives the the club standards, you know, for the CDL, and I think really that that ultimately that the standards that they set forth seem to be the reason why Iowa soccer said no to league for now in its current form. And really, why um, the community clubs or the 71 other clubs, um, you know, weren't happy with the type of league that was that was proposed. Um, so, um, you know, I think initially, we, you know, this summer there was just the shock of the league, um, the announcement, the timing of the announcement came right around tryouts, um, and then you had. Uh, just the fact that you know no one knew what the application process is, how the, the current clubs got into the so there was shock just about you know what is this league, what's its purpose, and why is it being sanctioned? And now months later, you know, after we're we're not really in a critical sort of period for clubs to retain their memberships, it seems like things settled down a little bit. The CDL kind of made another pass at becoming a sanctioned league. Um, but I think what stopped it ultimately now um, really are the at least from what we can tell. Um, are the, the, the club and the individual standards that um, the CDL set forth as a criteria to enter the league? You want to just run through those for us? Just so that maybe before you do that, like one thing that Blake and I have come across over that we jump in if you feel like you can some seeds, but um, we've talked to some some folks who have just kids, you know, like they're just parents, and they don't know anything about any of this stuff, right? I think that's yeah, absolutely. That's fair to say. We got the hearing stuff through the grapevine. Then I think our in the last podcast, there's uh, we got quite a bit of feedback, but also record number. I mean, we well listens. Yeah, record a lot number of downloads. downloads and listens. So, um, I mean, do you want to just you know you is that we open for me just to run through the standards really quick or yeah, what? Because I get to play dummy here. I, you, I knew you guys were going to do research, so I'll let you do it. Well, I'll jump. I'll jump in. Yeah, well, I'll jump in real quick too. I mean, I think you know what one point of feedback I would have to, I think the the CDL clubs, the seventy one clubs, and then Iowa soccer as well, is that I mean all this stuff should really be published on everyone's social media. You know, um, th this is a big deal in Iowa soccer because it's really a I mean, it was, it was, I would call it, it's been a battle between the, the, the two, uh, you know, the, the CDL clubs and the non-CDL clubs. It's been a big decision for 
Iowa soccer to make because the CDL clubs, as I understand, are threatening essentially to say, hey, we may just pull all the way out of Iowa soccer, which according to their letter would pull potentially 33% of the players, the revenue out of Iowa soccer. Um, and so this is a big deal. And I, I just don't think many people know about it. I mean, I've even talked to, you know, board members at certain clubs who really have no idea what's going on. And I think generally the parents and the players, ultimately they don't really understand what, what the club development league is or even this sort of negotiation process. And it's, it's important. So I think it, it should be published. We're a bit of a crossroads, I think, for Iowa soccer league. For somebody who, like myself, who's played since we were five, five years old locally, um, you know, that's about 30 years, which is crazy to think, but we complain sometimes that it doesn't, like while things have, like players have gotten better, things have changed some. Overall, there's still a lot of the same stuff, same issues are still in place. And here we are, this is something that could really, really make a change. Yeah, I think on that point you guys said, I think we're pretty knowledgeable. I think that's fair to say as far as kind of um, being able to understand what's going on. So, and but we also have a ton of questions and aren't 100% following reasons or whatnot. So I think if we're a little bit confused and have questions, I think like to your point, Matt, there's a lot more people that have more questions and uh, are less understanding. So and I guess that would be a good, good thing to recommend to all the entities involved is publicize this information outside of a website. You know, a lot of people are on social media. Um, you publish it there, send a link there. Um, uh, to me, like you said, Matt, all, all three um, groups that are at the table would uh, that be helpful. Yeah, I mean, this is a topic that, you know, you may get more engagement in your social media feeds than you otherwise would. You know, for example, I mean, parents and players may come in and, and talk about, you know, their experience in the ISL or why, you know, what they would like to see improve or why they may not like it or why they do like it. Um, same thing with the CDL. I mean, the CDL still ran a season this past in the fall. So, you know, what was the feedback from it? And so I think just publishing that would really, would create some transparency and then also get you from some feedback ultimately from from some of your members and at least the, the members who are comfortable with voicing their opinion. Yeah, so real quick, just is that what you want to do, but just real quick, the standards that the CDL um, has implemented is uh, number one, commitment to ethical standards on game days towards coaches, players, parents, and referees. Number two, follow and comply with the rules and structure of the CDL which uh, specifically central game sites and gender specific game days that'll be rotated throughout the season. Uh, this potentially may minimize or eliminate the ability for clubs to play home games. And CBL, the standard for that, central sites are used to facilitate coaching coverage, referee pools and scheduling. Number three, each club must provide a league representative who can attend daytime meetings. Number four, each club must have a technical leader or a league representative with at least a U.S. Soccer B license, a USC Premier Diploma, or a UEFA equivalent license. Number five, each club must have an additional staff member with a U.S. Soccer C license or higher or equivalent actively coaching within the club. Number six, each club must have a grassroots instructor who is available to teach courses. Number seven, Coaches on the sideline must have a minimum of an online 11 v 11 grassroots license. And then by the start of the spring 2020 CDL season, all coaches must have a minimum of a D license or a USC national diploma.
diploma. And then new coaches will have one year to attain a D license or the diploma. And then here's where I get a little bit lost um, as uh, we're at number eight and some of the correspondence between the groups is um, number eight through 13 have been left off. So I'm not sure if they're negotiating here, but number eight is each club must maintain at least eight teams in the league. Uh, number nine, each club must have at least three league approved 11 v 11 game fields or play the majority of games away from home. Each club must have a designated referee assigner to organize referees for their home facility. And under that is each club must offer an in-person grassroots referee course at least once every other year. Number 11, each club must have a financial assistance program in place that is easily accessible as part of the registration process. And those club financial assistance programs will be linked on the CBO website. Number 12, technical leaders must serve on at least one CBL subcommittee. And then 13, and finally, each club must remain in good standing by paying invoices in a timely manner. Failure to do so will, will result in expulsion from the league. And some of those uh, later ones, uh, there's timelines given, given clubs the ability to push, push some of those dates and requirements down uh, or beyond into 2022. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, so you'd mentioned eight through 13 being left off. I think the difference here, Blake, is so they've got club standards and then they got the individual standards, right? So then, um, so there, there's two different sets and actually the CDL response. So before Iowa soccer said no on February 22nd, the CDL gave, gave a response and they, they responded to the individual standards, but then what was a little bit different is they didn't even address the club standards at all. So it was, it sort of left, at least from a, the documentation that left it, you know, sort of for us to surmise or to sign it, uh, um, speculate as to, you know, what standards are really being addressed. Um, but I think, you know, the, the, the first question, so when you look at these club, club standards, you know, for the CDL, the, the question is, I mean, what, what are the CDL clubs getting at? I mean, what are they trying to achieve here, you know, with these standards? And because each, the ISL, the ISA, and the CDL, their goal is all to improve players, develop players, right? right. And they all have the ultimately the same core. Yeah. And it, so, I mean, I think, I think just like in writing, you know, it, it looks like these are all standards that, you know, foster or, you know, would be good things or, you know, promote player development, um, at least most of them. But, you know, when you having sort of a knowledge of, of what comprises the Iowa Soccer Association clubs, you quickly realize that, I mean, some of these requirements, it's, they're not easy to achieve. Um, and so what, they, what the requirements quickly do is just by their operation of being requirements, maybe not, not, not because it's intended to do so, but the reality is that, you know, as the standards are applied, they start to eliminate um, a lot of clubs from being able to comply with the standards. Um, you know, if you look at, and so this is just my perspective, but if you look at just a historical perspective on the last 20 years of the, the, the landscape of youth soccer in our country, what we've seen is we've seen a lot of clubs get bigger and bigger and then really big by operation of these mergers um, and then by operation of becoming an affiliate of 
maybe of a professional organization or just a larger larger club. So for example, in Ankeny, Ankeny joined up with the Rush. So they're, they're the Iowa Rush and the Rush have you know 40,000 players across the country. Sporting Iowa, it's got tons of affiliates as well. And so, and, and, and Sporting is a, is a compilation of uh, Johnson, Urbanella and West Des Moines. And so just from a historical perspective in the last 20 years, the clubs have gotten really, really big. And, and it seemed like the, at least coming from the CDL side, or not even just the CDL side, but just the youth development side, most people were saying, or a lot of people were saying, hey, the bigger the club is, the more we can sort of individualize the needs of the players, the similar ambitions and similar players, and or ambitions and abilities. And then in addition to that, the bigger you are, you know, the bigger pool you have to draw through, um, so the better players you might have. And so what, what I think what the, these, these requirements feel like, it's just what it feels like, is that these are designed to keep the big clubs big and, and allow them to get bigger, while at the same time it isolates or ostracizes the little clubs who don't have resources. And so, you know, if the CDL is a is a truly an elite league and it excludes some of those smaller clubs, um, then that's where the, the smart clubs are really gonna have an issue with it. Um, so, so I mean, I just look at some of these requirements, like you know, for example, number three, each club must provide a league representative who can attend daytime meetings. But what I mean, what does that mean? It means you've got a full time staff, right? So there's or probably someone, someone with a super flexible job. Right. So there's probably probably bigger clubs can do that. Other ones can't can't fulfill that standard. You know, you've got to have a you know the number four, you've got a B license or a USC Premier diploma. I can just tell you when I got my C license, I had to go spend 10 days in Las Vegas to you know, pay a plane ticket, you had to, you know, pay a thousand bucks for the course. So we got to spend our time in but it's, it's a big commitment, right? So if you're a parent coach or a, or a volunteer board running a small club, you know, you can't get a, even a C license. The B license, I had to go to Georgia outside of Atlanta and do that. You know, other people have, you know, the same thing with the primary diplomas or the UA licenses. They're, they're big time cost commitments and they're big time time commitments. And so big clubs, like, like a lot of these CDL clubs, like sporting, like DSA and stuff like that, they can, they can hire people to do that. A lot of other clubs can't. And so just by operation of these standards, it just, it starts to really exclude some of these clubs. And again, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's not overt on its face, but I think, you know, when, when you look at probably what the Iowa Soccer Association mantra is, which is to provide opportunities for everyone, these standards start to really be a problem from, from Iowa soccer's perspective, I would assume. Um, but I, I, and so just having worked in a lot of these, in these clubs and, you know, seen some of them go through the mergers and, and heard some of these, um, sort of the theories about, you know, bigger is better. Um, to me, what it feels like is what, that's what these, these standards are designed to do is, is, is put all the, the sort of the control within a, a small group of clubs, big clubs at that, to sort of dictate uh, what player development looks like. Um, and so the question then really is, you know, to me, well, to me, 
really, I mean, from a player development perspective in Iowa, I mean, you know, where are we at, where are we headed, and what really is best moving forward for, for just the youth of Iowa? Well, I think on that note, that's a good little segue to uh, the Iowa Soccer Association letter um, that they're going to hire um, an outside consultant to work with Iowa Soccer and the member clubs. So um, maybe that answer Iowa Soccer is looking for, and maybe that's the solution. I'm not sure, but that's, I just thought that was an interesting point that, uh, again, I don't I don't know if anybody's aware, but Iowa soccer is now trying to, and I think there's everybody, there's flaws with everything, right? And you can never please everybody, but um, an outside consultant may not, I don't know, it's interesting that they're doing that when they've got feedback from everybody, both sides have given their opinions on what they would like to see. So my, my interpretation of it would be that it's a neutral perspective and that at this point in the game, with all the all the different um, personalities and opinions that are involved in the decision-making process. You know, somebody like Dan Cataldi or whoever and I say is saying, well, we need somebody in here to uh, mediate a little bit. Come in here and tell us something, even if you get the answer, even if the ISA can say, hey, the answer is X, and it's very obvious. They want somebody that doesn't stand to gain or whatever from, from that, I would guess. Which, I mean, makes sense, but yeah, it's also frustrating. That's where it gets to. Right. Well, so I was February twenty second letter, um, just a couple of days ago. I mean, they they pretty much the feedback they they definitely got was, and they say overwhelmingly, clubs believe having all kids under one umbrella provides the best experience for players. Not. So it seemed like CDL and non CDL clubs said, hey, it's better if everyone is together under one umbrella, right? And I think even you know Matt Carver said that in his podcast the other week too. It's like there's no doubt that. Iowa soccer can do its job best if every if the player pool is bigger, um, and it's kind of sort of what these CDL clubs are saying anyway. It's like we, if we're bigger, we can serve our, our memberships um, better as well. Um, so the the real dis, the real disagreement or dispute here is I think it's it's how that ISL league is run, right? I mean that that's what they're getting at. So Iowa soccer said, look, all right, so we can't give you the CDL league. But we recognize that we it's best if we keep everybody. We recognize that the ISL needs to be improved. And so how do we do that? And so what I glean from that is that that's where the consultant's role uh, comes into place. Now, I do have some, I have an opinion about that um, as to whether or not a consultant would be needed in a situation like this. Um, and I mean, I, I question why one is needed. Um, I, I'm not saying I don't, I mean, I don't know all the inner workings of that. But to me, the, the solution is very simple. Um, if the goal is to fix the ISL, there's a very, very simple solution. Um, and if the goal is that, you know, some of these CDL clubs are unhappy with the, the, the level of competition that they're getting, um, and that they think that these standards that they've set are gonna, you know, drive up that competition and, and result in real player development, um, and I think that it, the, the answer is, is, you know, you can get rid of all your standards, but you're not going to need them. So long as you create divisions in the ISL, you create a promotion relegation system, and you allow the best teams to rise to the top and play each other, and the, the second best and the third best to play in different divisions. 
and I think it would create a really fun league, a fun league to follow, and then you you actually you're going to get exactly what you want, which is player development, a good league. I, mean, I don't think you need a consult for that. I just think like I mean I think you know Garrett Smith is the head coach at Drake. He's you know director of coaching here. He's got experience in our national staffs. I mean certainly you know you know he knows the promotion relegation system. You know from having been a fan and a player. There's still divisions, but I mean, there's, I mean, you, the teams are responsible for reporting the scores, you know, so who knows if that gets updated. But I know for sure that one, they don't always get updated, and then it's just on the home team. And unless you're looking as an away team or vice versa, you don't know if they reported it correctly, let alone at all. Well, and works to me, like the referee, sure, that's where the referee just, okay, that's the referee keeps score, yeah, right? Arbitrator. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, the, I just remember from my, like sort of last few years in, in the coaching game, um, thing that I was struck by was that the the, the games that we would play in the fall, um, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't keep track, right? Um, but then the next season would come around and we we're seeding ourselves for state cup, and you know, state cup the state cup um, outcome, which wasn't always very favorable for us, um, was then what we were kind of judged on. But then if you know if it comes down to um, you know two teams of comparable record in the state cup or whatever, then they're going, I mean, they are going to the ISL games. We're not keeping track of those. Um, I guess I just, you know, I just recall those, those conversations being, you know, a little bit subjective on the phone of like who, you know, whose teams are ranked where for state cup and, you know, all of a sudden it matters, but it didn't, it's never mattered before. So now we're now matters for like three games and then off we go. So to me, that just never made sense from a coach standpoint, from a player standpoint. Um, that's just my, Two cents. Well, my two cents is that you know everybody always talks about, or we always hear about development, 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 right? And we never hear about winning. Uh, and I mean, I mean, and it's almost the, the term winning is almost not you know in line with development anymore. And I don't think anyone ever would ever say that. But so, quick tangent: Why do you think that is? I I don't know because it's cultural. It's not. It's not. It's not just this one little like situation we're talking about. It's it's like a cultural thing. Well, I'll tell you in like every other sport, they keep score, oh. and the kids know. I mean, the kids know the score no matter what. There are standings. There's in wrestling a little bit. Um, some people outsiders may say crazy, but they even from six year old those there's records. There's but so why we discourage we discourage it because in my opinion is that you've got a movie like, uh, let's use like the Will Ferrell kicking and screaming movie, right? Where like, you just got um, an, an image of somebody who's like losing their mind on the sideline over a youth soccer game, which is an image that's portrayed by Will Ferrell that you can see in, in real life, just like normal, not funny people losing their minds. Um, like, is that part of it? You know, is that people look at that and they go, well, that's unacceptable. We can't be screaming and yelling like that. So they, they won't, well then let's make it not mean anything. 
it could be part of it. I mean, I think, I also think personally that um, it's a, and I, I mean this in the, the nicest way, I guess, but it, it's a, it's an easy way to not be held account, accountable for the way you're developing players, right? I mean, you can justify not winning um, because it's all about development. And don't get me wrong, I mean, there's a lot of circumstances where it should be about development and not winning. And, and it really shouldn't be ultimately about winning, it should be about developing. But winning is a big part of it. And there's a lot of learning that can play, take place as a winner or a loser. And, but it, but, but it also can be, it can motivate coaches to train their players harder to you know, not cancel sessions as much. So there's a huge accountability factor for me, too. for the players and for the coaches and for everyone involved and even for the parents picking their clubs, um, um, you know, if you focused on winning and by taking that away, I think we just, we've lost the ability to keep each other essentially accountable for developing players in our state. And so, you know, it's, it's just, it just doesn't feel or seem like winning is important. Well, to me, it's a, what you guys are sounding like is winning is a part of player development. Right now, winning is not any part of the player development pathway that we hear so much about. It's not the only thing, but it is a, it is one of the one of the facets of player development, learning how to win, learning how to lose. But that's why it's confusing because you it isn't, it does not matter, it is not emphasized. But then for three weeks in October or whatever, three weeks in May, it, it is emphasized, right? Right, right. Well, with so just talk about the ISL, right? It's it's not really a factor. But then, but right? and sorry, let me also add. And you're, you're right. The ISL is not a factor. But then also, you've got the the president's cup that added to state cup to sort of like soften the blow of losing. So then you get another chance to continue playing. Right. But it, I mean, I can tell you from winning more president's cups than I would like to admit. Um, it is not a great feeling to win president's cup because you because if you won President's Cup, what was your target? Your fifth best in state cup. Correct, but you, what was your target to win right. state cup? So like, you're just like, yeah, we definitely are the fifth best. And that, to me, best. that's an easy solution. They're two completely separate events. Right. Teams enter President's Cup, teams enter state cup. And because realistically, some, I mean, some of the, the goal for some um, teams that may not be as, quote, good, President's Cup is a realistic and a, an achievable goal where they should not be entering state cup. They, they, there's a uh, realistic goal for some of these kids and teams is a President's Cup championship, and that is great for them. Right. And so it's so it seems to me it seems like this is a very so it's a very easy solution, right? To sort of the what winning back is is, is counterintuitive as it seems based on what we've all been talking about in the last few years. Put winning back into the equation by developing a league structure within the ISL which promotes the, the best teams to the top and the worst teams to the bottom, but it's, it's inclusive of everyone because there are no standards to get into the league other than what the Iowa Soccer Association um, sets. And Super simple then, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I really think it is. And I, but I think, you know, so, and so if, that's, if that truly is the CDL's frustration, that the league isn't competitive enough or doesn't foster player development, and just revamp the league. And, and I don't think it takes, you know, does, I mean, I think it doesn't really take too much discussion to say, hey, let's, let's give that a whirl. Um, so, so you do hear about like the scheduling piece, right? Like that's a, that's a, a valid, valid concern. I know Blake, like when you were, when you're still coaching on an altitude, you'd have days where you're driving from 
you know, Waukee to Altoona back to Waukee in one day for three different games. Yeah, but again, to me, it's an easy solution. Well, that's um, what I mean. I'm just saying, like, we'll talk you know, about what the easy solutions would be. To me, the easy solution is, you know, if you've got a, just say, let's pick up U14 girls, and there's, you know, this is where the conflict, I think, part of it, right, is the CDL team, U14 girls have more than one team. Well, they only have one coach for those two teams or three teams. So that one coach has to cover, quote, what they think has to coach all three. Well, that's where there's solutions from the league schedule to say, hey, schedule those teams back to back. And then the referees are sitting right there at the same field, get an assistant, get a parent coach to fill in. Um, like Matt Carver mentioned that, that was kind of an interesting, different um, solution. But that's, uh, I mean, to me, those are, again, a little bit easier solutions to, um, and I don't think a non-CBL club, I don't think they would complain if they played a home game. And after that, there was two random non, you know, or two CBL teams playing on there that um, weren't, that wasn't their home ground. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm a little bit different on the scheduling. I mean, I, I sympathize with those clubs and teams and coaches who have scheduling problems. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if you're, I mean, you're choosing how to staff your club with coaches. You're choosing how many teams to take on. You're choosing how many coaches to give teams to. And so I think it's ultimately on the club and the teams to determine how they appropriately staff their their game assignments, not necessarily the league. I mean, I, I think it should foster like some sort, you know, an ease of, of, of being able to cover games. But, I mean, I almost think that that's also unfair, unfair to some of these non-CBL clubs who they just say like, hey, we've got a parent volunteer coaching the, the club. You know, why are we accommodating, why is our schedule accommodating someone who's paying a coach a lot of money to coach four teams or whatever it looks like? And why can't that team just get a volunteer assistant? Um, Another thing- so I'm I, not as sympathetic to that. Yeah, understood. Another thing, I know it's a point that you've made before, um, whether it's here or elsewhere. Um, and I think this should be part of this conversation that neither club is talking, or not neither club, yeah, neither side or any side is talking about is um, the actual schedule of the games, right? The calendar. Because um, what you're talking about is squeezing, you know, eight to 10 games in the spring, eight to 10 games in the fall in, in a very short period of time. So you're, you're talking about scheduling a lot of games in a lot of time. And so sometimes- Short time. A lot of, yeah, sorry. In a, lot, in a short period of time. And you're forced to figure out how, to, how does that actually work? Um, and so a lot of times you're forcing scheduling issues. And so, like, I don't, you talk about, you know, sympathy, like, I, I find it hard to, like, um, I have a lot of sympathy for somebody like Craig Winger, because I don't know how you necessarily schedule to make everybody happy. You right. don't, you're not going to make anybody happy. But if you had, instead of two eight-week uh, eight week sessions for 16 weeks, and you spread it out over 30 weeks over the year, it sounds a lot easier. And that's some player development right there. The kids are playing. Well, yeah, maybe they're playing once a week instead of three games every weekend. Right, and then you're gonna have an actual like you're gonna have a meaningful table too, right? Because you're gonna have thirty games, and you're gonna have people that rise to the top, and people that you know go to go to the bottom of the table, and you're gonna have your your structure. So we mentioned this a second simple one, right? So make it pro rel, make one season from April first through you know October thirtieth, maybe a couple week break in the middle. Yeah. Well, I wonder too, because you know, like you talk about these club coaches who like they're it's a full-time job they, they do really load up like in season you know like if you're in the middle of uh, if it's may in the spring and you're coaching 
three or four days a week, you know, three or four, maybe even more like five or six hours a night, depending on, on the deal. And then you've got weekend stuff. Like you are busy during that period of time. Um, but then the, the counter piece of that is then you're, you know, pretty dead during other periods of the year. Wouldn't you rather just have like a consistent work schedule? I don't know. I think, I think a, the answer is this calendar. We've talked about that for how long now? Like calendar needs to be changed. Stop and get rid of it in the first two weeks, three weeks of the season in March are always, there's always so many cancellations because it rains. And you end in June 5th because of tryouts. Right. And nobody can do anything until midday of whatever that is. And then you don't start up again until after the state fair when school starts. And then you end November 1st and right, then, so, you, then you, yeah, you're off again. Maybe we should throw our hat in the ring for a if you're uh dan and peter if you're listening we're uh we're offering the consultant we're digging for the consultancy job <laughs> yeah, it'll sure be that. a short job really now because we just get you just gotta listen to the podcast yeah go over well yeah so uh, i mean one of the things i've i've just kind of thought about is like well two things number one i don't know if you guys saw the announcements yesterday on social media so it looks like um the ECNL boys side has created the Heartland division. And so, and know Sporting shared um, just the notification that they're in the ECNL boys Heartland division, VSA did as well, and saw some Omaha teams. So the only reason, reason I bring that up is, you know, obviously that's clearly been in the works for a little bit, but what that would mean is that like at least Sporting boys and girls are in the ECNL from 15 to 18, I think. I mean, I'm not sure about lower, but, you know, so, so really what's the, you know, why do you need the CDL if your top teams are in the ECNL in the first place? That would be an interesting sort of answer to that question from coming from their perspective. Why is that needed? Because you would think you'd want your younger teams in a league with lots of teams, you know, so that otherwise you're just, you're basically guaranteeing that, you know, your 11s through 14s only play against nine or ten different clubs and then they go into the ECNL later on. So it's it'd be kind of a I'd like to know the answer to that. Yeah. Going back to the you know, promotion relegation conversation too, especially as you when you start talking about the um the ECNL thing, it, it just strikes me that like if all these clubs are like if they're if the CDL clubs are upholding the standard that they're requiring, um they should in theory, be the top clubs in the state, right? So, like, so if it's promotional allegation, they should win, and then they should have like the the top table should be the, the CDL clubs in theory, right? Right. So, and I, I get that, like in practice, there's you know there's going to be a situation where uh, you know you've got a you know a bum age group, or there's you know another some team from Sioux City that's fantastic in the age group, and so then they slide in. Um, is that is that part of the problem too? Then is that yeah you they worry say okay well. You know, um, Blake and then his brother Colin both play for uh, whatever club, name the club, um, Johnson Dragon United back in the day, right? Um, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, Rhonda and Kim are gonna take you to go play for our United in that sense. Of course, that's where Colin's gonna play, right? Is that part of the problem? Like the, the clubs are concerned about, you know, like well, Blake's gonna play for our United, but then Colin. Well, what if Colin's either not very good, which he wasn't? Sorry, Colin. Or, um, or are they going to you know, like? What, what do you do in that situation, right? Is Colin going to go play for the other crappy club? Then now you're because I think that's part of what the parents are selling is to say, okay, they're they're buying. So they're saying, hey, 
if I'm going to take my kid to one club, I can take all my kids to the same club. And so it's just it's one one trip. You know what I mean? Like, is that part of it too? From the CDL clubs perspective, or from these big club, like big club. I mean, I, I mean, I I don't I don't know I don't know. I think not even a conversation that I just take us in the wrong direction. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay. I, I just we'll that part I think the bigger I mean, I think any club wants as many kids. We 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 play don't to, make right? There's right? there's there's budgets. Right. I mean, okay. there's a reason why yeah. kids don't get cut and ODT and in club soccer, like yeah. there's real numbers that need to be met. To me, the concern from any club would be if you set it up for motion relegation, is you might get found out. So to your point. And I mean, if if the clubs, if the CDO club standards are what matters, if that's what drives player development, then every single CDO club should always be at the top of the table in every single division, right? Because they can satisfy these conditions. But you know, if that's not true, then you're going to have teams from Sioux City and other teams from Des Moines and stuff like that pop it back in. And I think, I mean, that's where that's what my suspicion is that you know. The design of these standards doesn't necessarily foster player development. It gives it gives power and control to the CDL clubs, but like really, the way to really compete or create a competitive environment is to allow everybody to compete. And it, realistically, it shouldn't be a problem. You know, let's just take um, let's take Des Moines Soccer Club, right? Reams over there now, and and um, so let's just say that they've got a. 114 boys team was coached by a parent coach and they are good and that parent coach played at a high level in college but you know what never went and got his licenses why can't des moines soccer club play in the top division of a promotion relegation system in the isl and knock off anybody in the state and be the best especially if they've proven that they can compete exactly and so why should they be kept out of a league that's you know with all of these standards and and that so the the fear I think from anyone would be hey we're going to lose players to the Moines Soccer Club, um, and I think the same thing goes with, with like you know, like Sporting or BSA or Rogers like that. If you're in the top division, you got the top team. The fear is if winning matters, is we might lose players. But to me, that's really what creates the competitive environment that actually fosters player development, and we just don't have that. The other thing I'd say too is. All these leagues now, they're forcing people to travel out of state, right? You're going to go, I mean, and, and which is fine. I mean, it's part of it. It's always been part of it. But to me, you know, where we should be headed in this state is we should be encouraging as many clubs as possible to join the Iowa Soccer Association in as many communities as possible. Um, and, I'll just, and even more than just clubs, teams as well. Um, Get them in this. Get it. Get them in the system. Create a competitive environment so that you get competitive meeting people games in Iowa. Don't force people to travel out of the state. You know, develop clubs like you know UFA, like the Moines Soccer Club, um, like a club in Norwalk or in Carlisle, like Iowa Storm. All these different clubs. It only benefits us to keep you all in a league and make it a competitive league. And then all of a sudden you're gonna have a. You're not gonna have to go out outside the state looking for as much. Especially for your second, third, fourth team. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it comes down to state cup, which is a whole nother podcast in and of itself, right? Because that's ultimately the reason this conversation between the three groups is the CDL wants to be in state cup. And I got my opinions. 
on that. But yeah, that's that's it's almost uh, kind of all boiled down to that, doesn't it? The state cup. That's the reason why we have this discussion. So, a question that I would have if I'm listening, um, if you know, we reviewed the CDL standards or policies, you know, that are going to get people into your your league. What do you know? What are the, the standards or requirements to play in the Iowa Soccer League? I think you've got to be an Iowa Soccer Association member club, and I think you've got to have a certain amount of teams, I think, in your club to get into the league. I think so. So that, I mean, that's where Matt Carver's, uh, where he had filed agreements because you couldn't just, you wanted to be an Iowa Soccer Association member, and got denied. So I know that's a, that you, you keep that question for, yeah, for Dan, I don't know, big DC. Um, well, that was just the, that was just Iowa soccer. I mean, the soccer league, I think, is even is even different. I think you've got to have I think, number of teams. I think so, yeah. But by the way, I mean, Iowa soccer should never, I mean, maybe never is not the right word, but almost never deny a team or a club who wants to become a member. I, I think that um, you may people may have had a, I mean, difference in how Matt Carver went about his business in terms of breaking away from the urban mail board and starting a new club. I know there was a fight over those fields, but if someone has a different idea of how they want to develop players and perhaps for a lower cost to exclude that person or group, I don't, I don't, I think that's inexcusable. And I, I was, I was disheartened to hear that story from Matt Carver on the, on the podcast, because, you know, I think one of the, you know, one of the things, one of the places we're headed, which I think the CDL clubs and the bigger clubs really have to look at now, is this whole idea like you allow parent coaches, right? I mean, every single club now should be begging for parent coaches to be coaching their select teams. I mean, for this reason, because the parents now are knowledgeable about soccer. Well, that, that's what we had this conversation offline yesterday about parent coaches. Like, whoa. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm for parent coaches. I think that, I mean, I learned a lot from uh, lots of parent coaches over the years, including my own father, uh, which I'm sure he's not listening to this, so I won't have to give him the actual credit for it. Um, but yeah, man, a lot of those guys are really, really impactful. Um, but you parent, know. parent coaches now, like, so Ben Harshberger is a parent coach, right? He's got three, three kids. He's coaching a group and a team. You know, he doesn't have any of his licensing but there should be nothing that would preclude him from coaching the top players in the state. If, if his, you know, I mean, you look at, I mean, Blake's a parent. Um, some of the coaches in, in the club, I mean, you, you know, uh, Whitney, Whitney Sharp or uh, Whitney Lewis now, she's a parent coach. Uh, Tim Dauberholz, he's a parent coach. Brian Duak is a parent coach. Eric Berg's a parent coach. You know, almost all of the coaches that are, even at, no matter what club they're at, they, they've got kids that are somehow involved in the game. You know, some are uh, super competitive players, um, but then you've got, you know, like somebody like Matt Ream who um, would, you know, fully admit to you that he's just happy that his kid goes out and like puts on the jersey and like was willing to go hang out and try and enjoy it for a little bit. But I think that's why, like, I mean, like, I mean, 20 years ago, I don't think we're in the same spot. I don't think there was a crop of knowledgeable people with kids as there are now. And so, I mean, to me, that's why. The position now is it's got to be to foster and advance these community clubs and to welcome people in who want to who want to just coach their kids for free and maybe not spend as much money because they can get equally or better 
training environments from parent coaches now that they come sometimes if you go into a club with a with a professional coach that's getting paid you know but that's what i'm saying too like i i mean we were we were talking about some of our parent coaches over the years like even though they didn't they, I, I wasn't being coached by blake who's been playing the game for 20 years i was getting coached by um you know a guy that played like football and basketball and like had a, a couple kids that played and like but he was a great coach he, he was a coach not a soccer coach but a coach right yeah i think they're that's the one thing I would, I would question, like as far as the, I, I haven't taken a coaching course in a long time, a soccer coaching course, but how often do they actually talk about just like, just coaching principles, not necessarily soccer? I think that's, and that's where, right, you say, hey, CDL clubs, like, keep, you can keep your own standards, don't form your own league, and then, and there's multiple opinions and ways to, to quote, develop a player, and everybody's got their own one, so if that's your, thought and your belief, do it. And if the league is set up the right way, you will rise to the top and keep producing all these players and, and have it basically your way. And show everybody that you've done it. You've done it well. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess this is where I would um, kind of look around the room and see if there's some more comments to be made or not. Um, are there other items you'd like to touch on? No, I, th I think like I would just summarize like where I mean I, I, I mean I think more more my opinion is anyway what we've talked about. Um, first of all, I mean I think it it'll be it'd totally be a bad thing if the CBL clubs lost Iowa soccer, right? I think we want to keep them in the mix, but and I and I but I think everyone recognizes that the league's got to get better, right? And I don't even think the non-CBL clubs would say that. And so to me. The path forward, the negotiation forward, to me has to be get the ISL into a promotion relegation structure, change the season, but give it one season because that's needed anyway. Um, and 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 that's your very very simple solution. And so then, I mean, if you know some of the the clubs want to get into the ECNL and some of the other groups, great. But at least you have a promotion relegation mechanism that serves all of the players in the state. And, and you know, don't limit people, don't limit coaches from coaching kids because they don't have licenses. You know, this is the only other point I would make. You know, when I was 22 and I first started coaching, I didn't have a license. I was coaching and no one, no one ever told me I shouldn't coach because I don't have a license. And I was still coaching select players and the best players in some age groups. You know, every person on that CDL um, list of coaches at some point came into the profession without a license um, and without some of these things in place and was coaching still good players in Iowa. And so it's really hard to accept those standards to get into the league um, or even to have to aspire to those standards, knowing where, you know, all of us began our, began our coaching uh, careers. So, you know, just kind of in sum, I, I think that's just a, a very simple solution. And um, we'll uh, send uh, Iowa soccer an invoice when they accept our proposal. Yeah. <laughs> I think really quick, Matt, you could, you could make the promotion relegation, you wouldn't need 20 teams. You know, you could do it with a 10, you know, have multiple divisions, but just with only 10 teams or eight teams or 12 yeah. teams. So the games aren't super lopsided. The games are so competitive, but just maybe have eight divisions instead of right three big ones yeah maybe down. only like the top team and the bottom team go up or down 
right. as opposed to yeah. There's there's uh, yeah. there's all sorts of different ways yeah. to do it. Um, well, I mean, you could also have like a Champions League too. That'd be sweet. Like all the uh, all the Asia, like the high school Champions League. There you go. Well, that's, that's your state cup. Too. That's your state cup, though, isn't it? Like no, it's beyond beyond state cup Champions League. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, Matt, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, sharing your sharing your thoughts, your opinions, and hopefully the listeners found it uh, beneficial. See you guys in high school season, right? Can't wait. All right, Blake. Good chat. It's always nice to have a conversation with Matt Sehag. That was fun. Yeah. I would be fun. Fun's definitely what I would call it. Um, so, what do you think? We're uh, we got. I mean, we got all sorts of. I mean, we just in the, in the first part, we talked about all the different uh, interviews we've got coming up. Um, plus, we're we're working on some other fun stuff too. Some cool legends interviews. Like you said, we're getting into the meat and potatoes of the high school season. So that's starting here coming uh, up in mid March. We got our big high school futsal battle. Yeah, right on. Coming up, that's free. Bird than mini pitch. Gratis. See, <laughs> uh, we were, if you uh, haven't been following our social media, we were just recently on La Buena's, uh, what, we were kind of like over at the lunch hour chatting about the futsal battle and test our Spanish skills. I would say we passed with like an F plus, I would say. Yeah, it was fun. It was good. So uh, again, join the supporters club, follow us on social media. If you want to uh, kind of check us out in our new little digs here for this episode, go to our YouTube channel which has been getting some pretty good traction as well. Yeah, right on. Um, let's, uh, let's just, support, I was gonna say, let's look forward to next week. See you all soon.